0: Thank you, maybe see you this morning. I'm glad that you chose to worship with us today. If uh, you are new, as Stephanie mentioned, we would love to get to know you. My wife and I will be right in the foyer as soon as church is over and love to have a chance just to greet you and to meet you and maybe get to know a little bit about you. I'm gonna invite you to turn to Psalm chapter eight as we are gonna continue our series, Summer Playlist. We're walking through the book of, of Psalms. Now, The room may may be divided this morning as I ask this question. How many of you are ready for summer to be over and school to start? All right, parents maybe. How many are just ready for cool weather? I think we can be in unity on that, right? We uh, spent, my wife and I got to spend the last week with our uh, daughter and son-in-law who live in Las Vegas this past week and uh, it was like 115 degrees every day, and of course they tell you, oh, it's a dry heat. I don't care, it's 115 degrees, right? But it was like 107 every day here, I think, but uh, you guys ever have those moments in life that seem like reality just hit you in the face? Anybody like that? That's, that's uh, kind of happened for me yesterday, Ask you to, to pray for me. Walked in from, you know, our vacation. I got a vacation shirt on because I feel like I'm still on vacation, you know. And uh, I saw on the counter uh, this envelope. It had a couple initials. It said A-A-R. <laughs> so if you're under 40, you have no idea what the last letter is. Or 50 apparently. How many of you have no idea? A A R. You may know the last doesn't know the last letter. Okay, raise your hand. That's all you young folks. <sighs> I'm not even gonna say because it, it sounds kind of weird by itself, like P. I don't know. <laughs> but I saw it on the on the counter there with my name on it, and I was like, oh, I'm. I sort of throw it away because I don't want to deal in reality. And then I was outside for a minute. And guess what? I look up and see my wife holding in her hand very proudly. My AARP card, like, look what came in the mail for you. She's such an encourager. So, like, I'm about 10 days away from turning 50. But I have to be honest, I've spent the last few months every chance I can to acknowledge that I'm not 50 yet, and my wife is 50. So, I, I deserved what happened last night, apparently. But the truth is, she looks so much better at 50 than I do, right? Help me out, help me out. So, we, we will celebrate our 30th anniversary tomorrow, too. Yeah. So, that's, that's my reality. I might feel young, but I'm, I'm not. And so I have all these reminders this this coming week of my wonderful age. I now can apparently get discounts. Is it worth it? Yeah, okay. You all sound like old people. All right. Now I'm the encourager for you today. I uh, appreciate Pastor Nathan last week preaching and continuing our series in Psalm chapter seven. Uh, when When we kind of set up the calendar And Nathan drew the straw of Psalm 7. He wasn't very happy with me about that because it's just like David praying judgment upon the people, right? And he's like, why'd you give me Psalm chapter 7? I was like, I don't know. The Lord had ordained it apparently. But what a great statement he made in that message last week. And the whole message was great, but to think about the question he asked to kind of set the tone of the message last week was, is the God you serve hollow or holy? And the truth is, I spent the last week in a place where the God of hollowness, if that's a word, is very evident. And isn't it true that our culture, and if we want to be really transparent with ourselves, that what we often chase, what we often pursue, is the God of that's really hollow, there's no substance. And, and then Nathan, as he went through Psalm chapter 7, talked about that idea of judgment that is coming and that if we serve a holy, righteous God, that a holy, righteous God, because he's not only holy but is also good, he has to punish sin. And one day he will set the record straight. Now, for us living here, just like David was, oftentimes we wish God would set the record straight right, right now. But we all... I thought of this statement as I was listening to Pastor Nathan's message, and as kind of studying for Psalm chapter 8 this past week. We often make this statement before. What the justice of God demands, the love of God provided. And to use the words that Nathan used last week is what the holiness of God demanded, the goodness of God provided. And aren't you thankful that even we were dead in trespasses of our sins. That's what Dave, uh, Nathan quoted last week. That God demonstrated his love toward us. And so God's justice calls for payment of sin, but God's love provided the payment for that sin. Aren't you thankful for that? And in Psalm, we see 150 different poems. And, so if you've, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, we got into staff meeting uh, two weeks ago and, and Carlos was kind of blown away because I said, hey, uh, last, two weeks ago I said, so we're in Psalm 150, um, or there's 150 psalms. If we do 10 every summer, we'll be done in 15 years. And I think he was impressed by my math. But then also like, are we really gonna spend the next 15 years in psalms? Like, who knows, maybe, right? Uh, But in these 150 poems, we think about they're kind of broken up into five different sections. The first section is Psalms 1 through 14. And Psalm 1, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 kind of give us this understanding and set the tone for the rest of the book. And that is this thought, this question, this statement that one day the Messiah, God, will make all things new. That one day there will be a king who's anointed who will set the record straight. That's Psalm chapter one and two. And then we've seen the last few chapters, Psalm three through seven has really been David and David in his lowliness, in his humbleness, being persecuted, being isolated. Remember all the suffering and the feeling and the hurt and the shame and all that. He cries out to this God and what he's hoping, what he's looking for, what he's praying for is that the God of refuge and strong tower would rescue him. And in Psalm 9 through 14, there's a shift that not, not just about David looking back and calling out to God and his distress and his humility and his humbleness and his weakness and his powerless state. Now it's like mankind, powerless, weak, persecuted, suffering, crying out to holy, righteous God, saying, will you be my strong tower, my refuge, my rescue? And in Psalm chapter 8, we kind of bridge the gap between the two that talk about the lowliness of man and the goodness of God. This statement that we've often used, I want to share with you again, A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Another way that we might could say this is how we view God will impact how we view ourselves. If I see God... As holy, righteous, good, loving, well, it's gonna impact the steps I take each day, right? So what we how we view God, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And in Psalm chapter 8, David reminds us of that. Look with me in Psalm chapter 8. I know we've already taken time to read it, but I want to read it again for us this morning. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent. Some translations say how, ma- how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy of the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, I love this thought. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to, sit, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. And he bookends and, and, and restates what he said in verse 1. We've already read this together. It's on the screen. Would you read it with me again? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent Is the Lord, God, the name important to you? I I think that David highlights this thought the name of God. How important is God to you? Think about that for a moment. I want to to list, I'm going to read through, and they're going to be on the screen. I want to to read through, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just kind of compiled a list of some of the names of God. And think about how important and what impact the names of God have on you personally. The first one, El Eloah, God, mighty, strong, prominent. Elohim, God, creator, mighty and strong. This is the, th- the, the plural form of Eloah, which accommodates the doctrine of the Trinity. From the Bible's first sentence, God, Elohim, speaks the world into existence. El Shaddai, God Almighty, the mighty one of Jacob. Adonai, Lord. Yahweh, or Jehovah, meaning Lord. Goes on to say, strictly speaking, the only proper name of God translated in the English Bible is Lord, all caps, to distinguish from Adonai, Lord. It is the revelation of the name given to Moses. I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. This name specifies an intimacy and an immediacy. The presence, Yahweh, is acceptable. He's near to those who call on him. Yahweh, Jirah, the Lord will provide. This is the name immortalized by Abraham when God provided the ram to be sacrificed. And Isaac, remember when he looks over, he sees the ram and he says, Yahweh, Jireh. Have you experienced God as your provider? Yahweh, Rapha, the Lord who heals. I am Jehovah who heals you both, body and soul and body, and persevering from the curing diseases in his soul by pardoning iniquities. Yahweh, Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who satisfies or makes holy. We understand, and we, Pastor Nathan talked about this last week, God makes it clear that he alone, not the law, can cleanse his people and make them holy. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. Yahweh Zikkadu, the Lord our righteous. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. This is what Psalm 23 said when David said, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want when we acknowledge that God is our Yaira, provider, that he is our shepherd, then we can learn to be content with what things we have. Because contentment is not found in our circumstances, it's found in Jesus, our provider. Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. Yahweh Sebaoth, the Lord of hosts, El Elyon, most high God. El Roy, God of, I love this one, God of seeing. You remember when Hagar was cast out from Abraham and Sarah? She sat in the desert all alone. You ever felt all alone? You ever felt like all hope was lost? You ever felt like no one cares, no one hears, no one listens, and she cries out to God, and God says, "I, I see you. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but I want you to know that God sees you. El El -el Olam, everlasting God. El Gabor, mighty God. It's just, just some of the names of God. And I think David wants to highlight how majestic is your name in all the earth. Because when we have a proper view of who God is, it allows us to live in the proper context of who we are. Let me just list for you, not just a few names of God that we've gone through, but let me, let me list for you, this, this is a short list. I, I wrote down 40 characters or characteristics or titles of God. Abba, compassionate and gracious God, consuming fire, creator, deliverer, dwelling place, eternal king, forgiving God, healer, hiding place, hope, judge, king of glory, king of kings, lifter of my head, maker, prince of peace, protector, provider, redeemer, refuge, rock, rock of my salvation, rock of refuge, ruler, savior, shelter, shepherd, shield, song, strong fortress, strong refuge, strong tower, sustainer, the alpha and the omega, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. That's the God we serve. And as I read that list, probably one stuck out in your mind. It's what you are needing now. In fact, let me read them again. This is the God we serve. This is not an exhaustive list. This is 40 titles of God we see in scripture. God is a big God. Do you believe that? Abba, compassionate and gracious God, consuming fire, creator, deliverer, dwelling place, eternal king, forgiving God, healer, hiding place, hope, judge, king of glory, king of kings, lifter of my head, maker, prince of peace, protector, provider, redeemer, refuge, rock, rock of my salvation, rock of refuge, ruler, savior, shelter, shepherd, shield, song, strong fortress, strong refuge, strong tower, sustainer, alpha and omega, wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. And I say, what comes in your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And before we move on to chapters 9 through 14 to see that the people of God feel abandoned by God and want God to rescue them, it's as if David wants to remind us, listen, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent or how majestic or how magnificent is your name in all the earth, God is a big God. And I think if you're like me, that oftentimes we have small faith because we see God as a small God. Can you identify with me? Maybe just maybe be a little transparent this morning. Maybe just maybe are times in your life when you take your eyes off God and you focus on your problems. And I think David is wanting to remind us here of how good and how big and how excellent God is. And then we see in verse number two, what does it say? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you ordain strength because of your enemies. You may silence the enemy and the avenger. And the truth is, this seems like it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't seem to line up with verse one. Like how majestic you are, God. Oh, and... By the way, out of nursing babes, you're going to ordain strength and you're going to silence the enemies and those who avenge. It, do, it doesn't seem to make sense. But then what we looked at a few weeks ago is that oftentimes in Hebrew poetry, there's what's called parallels. And so the next few verses is David saying the exact same thing in a different way. Let's, let's read it. When I can, verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man? That you are mindful of Him, the Son of Man. That you visit Him. You guys ever had that thought? You, you ever just gone outside and looked at God's creation? You ever just laid at, down at night and looked at the stars? It's too hot to do that now, probably, but it's it's a good idea sometimes. My favorite things. A few years ago, when you guys remember, we went on that death march through the mountains of California to raise money for manna. Thanks, Bruce, for that great idea. Try to kill me. As difficult as it was for me, it wasn't that difficult for everyone, I still remember going out at two in the morning on top of a mountain hundreds of miles from light other than what's in the sky and just looking up and thinking God's a big God oh Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth and when I allow myself this past week we were at the the Grand Canyon I think I went there as a kid but I don't remember much as a kid and I, I look at the Grand Canyon and I think oh Lord our Lord how majestic, how excellent, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. We serve a big God, don't we? Have you noticed they keep asking that question? Keep making that statement? Do you believe God is big, yes or no? Do you believe God is bigger than your problems, yes or no? Can God handle it? Then why don't you give it to him? we got quiet in here. And you know, you know how I can be a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe that's a little sarcastic to say it that way. You know why I can be a little sarcastic about that? Because I'm just like you. It's, it's easy for me to come in here and stand on the stage and say, God is big and God will provide and God will do it for you. Just pray. God is our healer. God is our rescue. God is our refuge. God is our strong tower. God is the king of kings, Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I can quote all the scriptures and I can make all the statements, but the reality is sometimes when I get home, I don't view God quite the same. Sometimes I take my eyes off of my good, good father. I kind of, you ever had a pity party? Yeah? But there's these, I got sidetracked. Let's go back to the text, all right? <laughs> I love this statement. I, 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 think, I think this is one of the key verses in this passage is when we see the goodness of God, how big God is, who are we? That God, as Hagar said in the desert, God sees me. As Abraham looked across and saw the ram in the thicket, he said, "God provides." What is? Who am I? That God would care. Verse five. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the sea. And here we see verse 9 again. O Lord. Remember what we said already, what we say all the time when you see this O Lord, all caps, O Jehovah. O Jehovah. Our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And what we learn in this passage of scripture, what David wants us to know as we're moving forward, because life doesn't always line up exactly like we hoped. Life isn't always, you know, easy. There is a false christianity out there christianity out there that would preach if you give your life to Christ everything is going to be great everything's going to be good your bills are always going to be paid you're never going to have problems your kids are never going to stray life is good when you give yourself to Jesus and that's not really the truth is it that's not at all what scripture tells us in fact Jesus said they hate me and they will hate you. They persecuted me, they will persecute you. What we see all throughout scripture is that when you take a stand for Christ, the potential is that culture will go against you. And we see that prevalent today for sure, don't we? Do you, do you realize that if we continue on the trajectory we are on now, it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem too far-fetched in my mind that we're gonna be persecuted to be in a place like this? And how many of you will still be here if that's the case? Hopefully all of us. So David wants us to understand a proper view of God gives us a proper context of who we are. Because this, this is counterculture, isn't it? Because what he's saying here in, in verse number two, what he's saying here is that God is gonna use the infants. God is gonna use the weak. God is gonna use the powerless to overcome the strong. It's the same thing he says in verses three through eight, that God is what is man that you are mindful of him. But he's nothing compared to God. He's a little lower than the angels, it says. He, he's, he's nothing in comparison to God, but God is gonna use the powerless to rule. world. Let's let's see if this is just a theme in Psalm chapter 8, or is this a theme that's carried out through Scripture? Turn with Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. This is, uh, as you would maybe know in the context as you get there, this is the triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday, and Jesus is writing in. In verse... Verse number one of chapter 21, Matthew. Now, when the, they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly, sitting on a donkey a colt a foal of a donkey which is a direct quote from Zechariah nine 9:9 9. it says Zechariah 9:9 9, 9 says rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout o daughter of jerusalem behold your king is coming to you he is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey a colt the foal of a donkey what's the principle the same as it was in chapter 8 you see god's majesty is displayed through the frailness and the lowliness of humanity. Again, maybe just a few verses in Matthew chapter 21. You might have to turn the page here. Matthew 21, 14. Jesus has just gone into the temple. He's overthrown the table. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You made a den of thieves. Verse 14, Matthew 21. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, And the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. You see what's happened here? Jesus has entered in the temple. He's just had this triumphal entry. He's showing the meekness that he's riding in on a donkey just as David talked about that God will use the simple things to confound the wise. God was gonna use the, and this is what takes place. He heals blind, he heals the lame. The chief priests and scribes, verse 15, saw the wonderful things that he did Children cried on the temple. Hosanna, the son of This should be something celebrated, right? People are being healed. The children are crying out, Hosanna. They're praising Jesus. They were indignant. The religious leaders were angry and mad. Why were they angry and mad? Because the children were crying out praises to the king. And I love Jesus said to them, verse 16. Or they said to Jesus, and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. I hear them. What do you th- I, I think Jesus said, do well, you think I'm stupid? But it's not, it's not in the text, so we can't be for sure. But he does say, Have you never read? which my translation is, what are you, stupid? (laughs) Have you never read? And then what does he quote? Psalm eight, verse two, which we just read, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. This is a fulfillment of Psalm chapter eight, verse two. It's a reminder of this principle God will use the simple things. God will use the lowly things. God will use the broken things. God will use the humble things. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. I love, we don't have it on the screen, but verse 70. Then he left them and went out of the city. Like, that's the mic drop, right? Have you not read? This is what was gonna happen. It's a fulfillment. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians so let's see. We, we see in the Gospels here, this theme found in Psalm 8. Then we see in 1 Corinthians, Paul carries out this same theme and maybe a little more familiar passage for us. Psalm, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That, why would God choose, as David said, to use the lowly things? Verse number 29 answers that question, that no flesh should glory in his presence. The end of this chapter, verse 31, says, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. All right, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 20, all right? Just, just a few pages to where we were already, Matthew chapter 20. Let's, see, let's hear the words again of Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 20, we see James and John's mother get involved in asking Jesus, could my boys have the best seats in, in the new kingdom? Probably shouldn't have asked that. We're not going to get into that this morning, but this is a part of Jesus' answer. Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called them to himself this is the disciples and said You know that the rulers of Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them yet it shall not be so among you but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant Whoever desires to be first among you let him be your slave Just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom For many. Not only does David tell us in Psalm chapter eight, not only do we see it in the gospels, we see in Corinthians, we see Jesus was the greatest example of this. You see, when we have a proper perspective of who God is, the holiness of God, the goodness of God, the majesty of God, that God would choose somebody like me to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And and maybe you're like me, that sometimes you forget what a privilege it is to know Jesus. What a privilege it was for me to grow up in a home hearing the name of Jesus my entire life. I sat in one of our connect groups early this morning uh, to hear one of our missionaries from Thailand give a story. And I'd heard it personally, but I got to hear it in the context of Connect Group this morning. Seventy years ago, his dad, who was in a, a remote tribe in northern Thailand, never heard the name of Jesus. Only thing they knew about worship was worshiping evil spirits. And his dad, as he testified, was demon-possessed. Imprisoned in shackles because he could not be controlled. And a missionary from new tribes, I believe, came into the prison and shared the gospel. And after he received Christ into his life, guess what they didn't need to do anymore? Chain him up and he's free. And now his son is here in the service started five church in Thailand that we've got to be a part of. Isn't that awesome? God can use somebody like me. This past uh, summer, I know I mentioned it jokingly, uh, a a few months ago we just, well actually I guess it was just last month, we were in Kenya and I got to, go to, I got to go to Kenya this year. This is my, I think my ninth trip to go to Kenya. And this year was kind of, I, I was a little worried about it to be honest at first because it just kind of randomly happened that on this trip, my, uh, my student pastor that was my student pastor when I was like 16, 17, and 18, he was on the trip and he knew me back then, you know. And then not only that, my elementary school principal signed up for this trip. And he knew me when I was in middle school. God help us all. And I, I kind of jokingly told you that, you know, when I was in middle school, that was back in the day when they told you to grab the back of a chair. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You got the ARP card too, I bet. Uh, and man, he, he applied the board of education. You know what I'm talking about? Multiple times. He was a bad man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was a little worried, like, why are both of these guys coming on this trip with me? But I, I can almost be, be confident that if you had asked Pastor Joe Warren in San Antonio, Texas, when I was 12 years old, what's Jonathan gonna be like when he grows up? I, I went by Jonathan back then, by the way, that's my name. I don't, think he'd have, I don't think he'd have said this if he'd have asked my student pastor and his wife when I was 16. Think Pastor John will ever be Pastor John? Now you can ask them, I don't know. My guess would be they would say probably not. <laughs> Who is that? So verse two, out of the mouth of babes. The enemy will be silenced. And God will set. Uh, at Hallmark, we keep it real. Here's, here's the reality. We serve a really big God who loves you, sent his son to die for you, and he wants to give your life purpose and meaning. He wants to give you a mission for your life to serve him. You see, in our culture, our significance is found in our status. But in God's culture, our significance is found in service. And I'm wondering, and I'm wanting you to ask the question this morning, am I living a surrendered life to God? Because the reality is every time in scripture when people come face to face with how big God is, his majesty, his glory, his goodness, every single time, the response is worship, then service. Isaiah stood and saw the throne room of God. He immediately fell to his face. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. How can I enter the presence of God? Then God asked the question, who's gonna go? What did Isaiah say? Here I am, send me. The simple thought this morning is, are you living a surrendered life to God because his glory and his majesty demand it? Will you humble yourself? God, whatever you want. I'm willing to serve. My significance will be found in service, not in my status because I serve a risen savior. Would you, would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we come before you today. We thank you that even though you were king of kings, Lord of Lords, God Almighty. You're the risen Savior, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You are Jehovah. You humbled yourself. You came obedient to death, even the death on the cross. And Lord, I pray that the example of your humility would lead each of us to humble ourselves, to say, here I am. God, use me. God, use me. I, I want to serve. I want to humble myself, lay my life before you. This morning, as we close the service in a song of worship, I want to invite you this morning and that after I pray and we stand, you're welcome to come and seek the Lord. Maybe maybe this morning you seem to come to the altar and say, God, I, I surrender. Whatever you want for my life, I surrender. Maybe this morning it's just to come down and say, God, Thank you for the reminder that you are a big God, that you can handle, that you're good. You're my provider, my protector, my shield, my shelter, my strong tower, my refuge. You are Jehovah, the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who answers, the all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, omniscient God, king over all. And I just humble myself to you. We thank you, Lord, for your scriptures and the reminder today of your majesty and your goodness. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me this morning. Again, if you'd like to come and pray, if you wanna stay seated and pray at your your seat, that's fine, but let's worship our good, good God today.